0: this thing kicked off. Let's get this thing started. We are rolling. We are rolling, 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 rolling in the waves, rolling in the deep this afternoon. We're coming at you from a differently scheduled time than normal for us over here. Yeah, I don't know about that, but we like to schedule. We like to stay <laughs> on top of our productivity. It's been a very productive day. For myself, how about you, sir, my mighty co-host, who's with me as always, Mr. Roberto Carlos?
1: Well, kind of like, you know, uh, getting back to my normal routine, especially had a very busy weekend. Nice. And uh, But I'm here. I'm very blessed and very excited. So your vocation, as we all know, but maybe
0: if it's your first time listening, what do you do for a career when you said you had a busy weekend, obviously... Well, if, if, we,
1: if I can say we had a busy weekend, uh, I have to go to Stockton, be part of uh, the fourth anniversary of, uh, of a church. Nice. And um, it was kind of like unique because it's a, it was not like a normal church. It was... Right. It's a, They have a uh, house of restoration. What they call a rehabilitation center.
0: Rehabilitation center. Center Yes. For people battling, overcoming addictions and things of that nature. Super cool.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Stockton is very... uh, Yeah. 100%. A very
0: impacted community by things such as like uh, the opioid epidemic that broke out really hit heavily in cities in that area. So, you know, it's cool to see in this case, you know, you going back, giving to the community. Obviously... We know that you work for a church, but yet you're still, you know, part of your your calling or part That's of your much, mission. Yeah, pretty <laughs>
1: much the calling. I, I know that you have a uh, witness uh, many, many times that we used to go to uh, places, um, you know, and it's it's, it's uh, what it, they you call know.
0: the life of a preacher, in <laughs> other words. <laughs> well, uh, they it's my make first a documentary time.
1: about that. <laughs> and I like it's my first time uh, after the pandemic. Mm. So, I was kind of cool. like, you know, getting back to my... Shaking off the cobwebs, yeah, as yeah, they'd yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> but we had a good time, pretty much. Um, it was, um, you know, like two hours drive. Can you imagine? That's pretty far. And then uh, two hours coming back. So, so you like,
0: spent more time driving than preaching. Pretty much. <laughs> I was kind of like... a professional driver. Yeah, kind of like
1: four or five, you know, hours driving and... We ministered for what almost three hours, kind of like the message, and you know. But I had a good time, really, awesome. kind of recovering myself. And yesterday at my church, I have to um, be the interpreter nice. of one of uh, our, our preachers, one of our leaders, uh, Brother Dennis. Pretty cool. Yeah, he brought a nice awesome message about the blood, and um, I translate for him. Nice. He he usually uh, translate for us every Sunday. Uh, from Spanish to English. So. It's a unique trait of
0: some of the churches here. I don't know if you guys might identify, or maybe you guys have gone to a church where they do this, but at your church, right, that it's a, it's part of basically the ministry of translation, but there's a whole group of people who are basically... In charge of translating the services because depending on, like in this case, it was translating from English to Spanish, but most oftentimes it's from Spanish to English to make it more accessible for if anybody is interested in attending the church, it's not limited to just one language, but it's, in other words, bilingual. You know,
1: it's pretty interesting concept, and especially now because uh when you broadcast, you send it live, so you you know people can you know listen both languages. You know, as our church is bilingual, yeah. So they you know we have Spanish and English.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a very common concept in a lot of you know more I'd say traditional churches. Not really, you see that in the contemporary world. What what sometimes you see in a lot of the current contemporary movements is they'll have a whole separate team running essentially like overdubbing. I don't know if you've heard of this concept where you'll record something, okay, but then re-record audio over it. So in this case, if the broadcast recording was done on a Sunday, on Monday, this team goes in and has someone come in to record audio while they're watching the sermon, basically translating, and then just having that audio laid over the visual recording and then it matches basically like a translated version of the message and then they they distribute that on in this case you know YouTube whatever they use to distribute that that's kind of what I've been seeing the like trends. A, like a more
1: uh, a professional way 100 especially yeah. to to serve the uh, online uh, their
0: community uh-huh, okay. whoever they need feel like needs that you know I, I just think it's an interesting approach you know to see how People throughout the states are doing it in different parts of the world. Yet the gospel is still getting put out there, which is like how Paul says: if in all things Christ be preached, then what does it matter? Yeah. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I don't know if you shack? remember.
1: I don't know if you remember that we used to have the those radios. Remember? Oh yeah, that's old school. Yeah. Where
0: where are my Pentecostals at? Y'all remember? <laughs> if y'all saw the brothers walking in with the uh,
1: actually, I don't know how common that might be to be honest. But um, that's what we used to do it before. Yeah, used to have like a, this small um, like radio, radio transmitter yes. booth, and yeah. then you have somebody in the back uh, with the uh, earphones and listen what the preacher that's was saying. That's
0: basically what what I was explaining, kind of right. Yeah, you know, like just yeah. a but modified yeah, but, but version. <laughs> but your, the way
1: you were explaining it, it sounds very uh, sounds professional. Cool. Yeah. Very, I mean, very nice. I mean, especially if you wanna broadcast in the uh, like say TV, they they wanna and. Uh, a good quality. A very good quality. Right. Long time ago I met this gentleman. Um, he he used to be the uh translator of Jimmy Swagger. Um nice. I don't remember his name, but if you hear uh l- listen Jimmy Swagger's message, you'll hear that guy's voice. <laughs> yeah. He's like
0: an icon, a character. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes.
1: That's that's back then they used to do that. Well,
0: remember that thing that I was showing you on YouTube the other day? Which about one? that one YouTuber who does the same thing with oh yeah yeah
1: yeah Mr oh, Beast yes, yes, so yes
0: it's a concept it's a very popular yeah. concept it's called overdubbing is essentially oh, the technique
1: okay. that's the the name well at least in
0: my because I'm in that world you know I'm in yeah. audio so if I were to give it the term for it that'd be the the term that I give it it's an overdubbed recording of whatever. You know, in this case, Mr. Beast does it with his YouTube videos, which is pretty sick. Yeah, he showed
1: me that, and he translated it for different languages. Oh, yeah. Like, I think he's doing
0: it into various, like, Eastern languages, definitely in Spanish. And so, like, the funny thing about the Spanish, you mentioned that, like, oh, the voice is a celebrity. It's like, he gets, like, for example, the guy who voices his Spanish videos is the guy who also is the voice of Spider-Man in like the Spanish oh, cartoons wow. to make it So he like has gravitate. a professional people doing Yeah, he has a professional yeah. person, exactly. Yeah. Like that's a career that some people have to be what I guess is voice actors yeah. is their categorization, you know? Like Disney movies. Yeah. They pay people or even a lot of celebrities. Sometimes they do like back and forth it's like an extra yeah extra cash i guess on the side <laughs> for them but i think it looks fun i'd love to be a voice actor i feel like i don't know You think it's, it's not i
1: good? mean it's not easy because you have to really practice because uh your impressions like yes. if you want to do certain voices yes. like
0: comedians are really good yeah at impressions one of my favorites is jamie foxx i don't know if you are familiar with jamie foxx you know uh, who Jamie Foxx is? No. Nah. some one of is? his movies would be like lots of them. Um, let me think off the top of my head. One that you might know. Have you watched the Django? Uh, the Django Unchained, the no. one with Samuel L. Jackson. How about the new Spider-Man? The new Spider-Man, yes. Do you know the one where he fights um, Electro, the electric supervillain? That, that's the guy's voice. Do you remember? Yeah. Well, and the, the new one and the new in the movie? newer Spider-Man. Yeah. Do you remember that character? He's like an electrician. Yeah, yeah. You're, oh, yeah, actor, yeah, yeah, That actor, okay. Him, he's very famous. Oh, yeah, You yeah, know yeah. who I'm talking about. Yeah, I Jamie know you. Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Yes, yes. So he is a very, very good impressionist. Like, literally top tier of the best of the best, like, voice impressions. And he's been on countless, countless voice acting movies and roles. And even, because his career, he started off as a singer. Mm. So, like, Kanye West, he, back then, you know, in one of... My favorite songs, I'd say, Slow Jams by Kanye West. He is like doing impressions on it at the beginning, kind of like a little skit. And Jamie Foxx is recorded doing like that, like little skit voiceover thing. So it's been a concept that's been around for, for a very long time. It's good. But good. it's dope. It's uh, I dope. mean,
1: uh, like in my, in my experience, translate to like, for example, English to uh, is English to Spanish, I mean, it's not easy. You know, I think you have done it before. I've done it. You know, it's it's yeah. hard yeah. because you have to really have your mind and you have to flow. <laughs> it's not for everyone, I'll say that. Like, you got to have to really like it, I think. Like, don't get me wrong.
0: It's not, I mean, maybe I'm sounding over braggadocious or confident, but like as someone who is bilingual, it's not that difficult to do. Like, if you know both languages, but... What's hard to do is like goes back into that voice acting almost to share the expression or to match the emotion. (laughs) Yeah, that's the hard part. It's the words aren't that hard. It's like you know, I've had to translate for some, like in this context, would obviously be like hyped up Pentecostal preachers. So, like, you're just there next to them and you're like, (laughs) What do I say? I'm translating, but I'm not really. That's
1: I have noticed that. Yeah, I have noticed that. That maybe the you know the preacher is very excited. He's moving. We got Theo going crazy over there. You know, he's moving, and then the translator is kind of like very concerted. Like, oh yes. Yeah, (laughs) I've
0: seen it. It's not the same. It's not so like that's what I'm saying you have to be passionate if you're gonna translate. I think Dennis does a good job. So shout out Dennis. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) he gives it good passion, or at least he's got an. He knows the flow of the pastor very well since yeah. he's been doing it for so many yeah, years. Yeah. So, you, you know you did it for for some people that you line up with pretty well. You know, yeah. It I, think be, I think I think before before Dennis style, right? before
1: Dennis came, uh, I'm I was the one doing a lot of uh, translation, yeah. translate for many many people, lots of people. Yeah, but yeah. you
0: gotta gotta connect with them. You gotta like match their vibe. In other words, you guys are kind of sharing the same brain almost. Think, you know? I think
1: one of the things help is when you really know the word, that's that's the hard part.
0: Yeah, the reality is that if you don't know the Bible that well, you're not going to be able to be an effective translator because you kind of have to not rely on the book because you don't have it in front of you always. You're walking around or doing whatever.
1: Yeah. And, and you, sometimes you're not able to really grab your Bible and look at it, yeah. so you have to
0: really be sharp <laughs> right there. So. Yeah. yeah, there's some people who have. It's funny when they just put random people to translate. That's funny, and then you just see the person like <laughs> struggling or trying their best to do it. <laughs> there's been some funny people who try to do it, or you could tell it's their first time ever holding oh, the microphone, and yeah. they, they don't know what to do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being in front of, uh, you know, an audience, and let's say some people they don't know how to really speak uh, Spanish or English. They don't really know. And they see you struggling, right. <laughs> thinking about it. And the way I, they, sometimes the, I don't see people. When I'm translating, I don't trying to see who's in the audience. I more get more focused trying to see eye to eye, the one that is, you know, preaching. Yeah, to because make it more effective. It kind of like, it, 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 you know, it keeps me, you know, attentive what they're saying, mm-hmm. even their expression. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're trying to yeah. match
0: their yeah. expressions too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, translating is not for me, but shout out all the translators out there, if y'all... Because there's people who their jobs, not even... Oh, in no, the contact, definitely. There's like in a hospital, oh, no, those, definitely. like they are interpreters. I think one of your cousins is an interpreter, right? Patti? Patti? Oh, yes, she, yes. That's what she does oh, for yes. a living? Yeah, that's for a living, yes. Yeah, so like you can get, if you're bilingual, you know, you... Kudos to you because you should be getting more credit than you deserve. But you can even make a career opportunity. She's a licensed
1: uh, interpreter.
0: There you go. So go down that route if you're trying to make some money. <laughs> if you want to find a career out of translating, if you like it. But other than that, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. But it's cool to to see, you know, you were pretty, pretty busy, I guess, this weekend. It was so back was still- into the to the fling of things, you know. We got a We got a special guest appearance over here from Mr. Young Theo on the podcast. He's trying to be like, someone give me a mic. Yeah. Someone give this man a mic. We're going to have to put like a Theo mic in the room, the room mic. (laughs) But no, it's good. If y'all have your pets, we encourage you guys to, to go make, to show love to your pets, you know. Take care of your pets. Take them out to walks. Listen to the podcast
1: while you go and take them out on a walk. That's what I do. Yeah? Yeah, like Friday uh, mornings, I walk to you and I put the podcast in. Yeah, it's a good, it. I enjoy it. It's a good thing. Yep. My, You know, if you don't like... Some people listen to music when they
0: like going on walks. I like podcasts. You know, I listen to enough music, mainly in the car, when I'm just chilling, cruising. I like to put music. But if I'm just walking or working out, podcast for sure. Way, way more... I don't know. I feel like you could just take more advantage of of your time, be more effective. Do you take like notes when you no, listen to podcasts? No. You just listen. Yeah, because I think it's a specific type of content that is meant for audio. So the person creating it. At least, you know, like us, we're aware of that. In case y'all didn't know, we're aware of that. We're aware that you guys are listening. So we try to keep that in mind, you know. We don't necessarily refer much on visuals or things like that. So it's content designed for listening. So I feel like you don't necessarily need to take notes. Notes is like I only take notes if I'm listening to a sermon. That's a good way, good area for me to take notes, or obviously in school.
1: <laughs> and especially if you have something like a visual, like a pro, uh, projection.
0: Yeah, if there, if you're, if you're in a spot where you're receiving a presentation, yeah. I'd probably say you should be taking notes. But yeah, I mean, it just depends on the individual, what your style is. Some people are extra note takers. Mm. You know, like they can't live without a notebook or a journal. They always carry it around. I used to have a teacher in high school who'd carry a notebook in his back pocket at all times. I don't know. just a He style. was a, a take note. Uh, he, yeah, he. He
1: was a note taker.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He just would always carry that notebook around in his back pocket. But I'd see him write down a bunch of little things throughout the day. Like if he was grading something, I don't know, maybe a to-do list. I don't know.
1: Anything. Like people like notes? that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But like on the daily? Like. Uh, something, uh, if I see something or I hear something that, uh, you know, it got, grabbed my attention, I get my phone and, and, and the notes. Mm. And uh, the beauty thing is that you can, whatever you do in your phone, you see it in your computer and your iPad. Like the uh, Echo, uh, what? Uh, Mac ecosystem. What? The Mac ecosystem. Oh, I get what you're saying. The ecosystem. <laughs> the ecosystem. Yeah, that's I like the beauty that. of it. Yeah. Very nice. I like
0: that too. You're right. I mean, I only use Apple stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All y'all Android users, what are you doing? Do something with your life. Switch away <laughs> from an Android, bro. You're the worst of the people, the Green Bubble squad. We don't show love for the Green Bubble gang here. This is a Apple-sponsored podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Apple sponsors. But no, we, we like it. I like my Apple stuff. I know there might be some people listening to the podcast if y'all work at Apple. Thank you so much for the wonderful work that you guys do and... Continuing to bring us beautiful products for our everyday life that we use on the daily. I love my my Apple products. We're using Apple to record right now. It's computers. Well, you have
1: a brand new iP- uh, mini iPad. I, I like new, it. I have the new iPad. Mini, how, how, how's it been? You yeah. you know, it's been
0: great. Great. Right now, I don't have it because I left it charging. So failed on that one. But yeah, um, it's great. I love. I love it. I use it basically every day now since I've gotten it for different things, emails. It's really great for that. Because, like, for me, having the phone is great, but I'm trying to kind of move away from using overall technology that much, like social media and stuff like that. So, Or not that I'm trying to stop, but more so I'm trying to reduce the impact okay. that it has on my life in that sense. Like, I don't know, I think sometimes too many, too many times we worry too much about what social media has to say. So for me... The phone is a big pitfall for that because I only have the app on my iPhone. I didn't even bother downloading it on the iPad or anything. So, I try to use it the iPad mainly just to be productive and to stay,
1: you know, focused on what you need to do. Yeah,
0: not not spend any time messing around, feel me? Not not any time just scrolling through random articles or reading, you know, on Instagram you could spend hours just scrolling and finding something. It becomes something. too addictive. Yeah, or you just find something that's interesting. Like for me, me that's too. that's yeah. my biggest thing. Like I'll find a page and I'm like, dang, I want to do heck of research, and it'll just lead me on a tangent. And then you know I'm just like, oh snap. That's part of my personality of just one getting curious and then seeing something and I'm like, oh, I spent like thirty minutes figuring something out, and then you're just like, dang. Yep. So that that's a big, you know, I'm I'm transparent with it. I know there's some people who could probably identify with that. Maybe y'all need to take some time off social media. A uh, new habit that I read. Or n- not that I read. That I kind of read somewhere. Now I'm trying to implement it. Is to have one day a week fasted from social media. Mm, wow! Some people really?
1: fast food. I can't. I'm trying to bulk. Okay. I Need as much food in my system. And how, how do how they apply it? Let's say um, one day. It's. They it, don't really see their social media. Twenty four hours no social media. Mm-hmm. So you you know fight the temptation. Yeah. <laughs> not to logging. I into- delete
0: the app. Ah, okay. And then if I remember to re-download it, which I usually do, then mm. I'll I'll re-download mm. it. But that helps me stay accountable, just delete the app altogether. And then if I'm going to re-download it, then I'm like, oh, <laughs> go re-download it and it takes me extra. But I think, I think I'm going to apply that. I haven't been doing it that long. I've only been doing it about this almost like two weeks now. But I like how I feel on those days when I'm not relying on, or not that I'm not using my phone because for work-related things, I kind of have to still be... Able to be yeah. contacted or whatever it may be, but at least social media. I just I'm like gone, and I find that I enjoy my day a little bit more on those days. I you, spend feel, time you, feel to music. you feel more normal. You feel more normal. It throws me back to the days when I didn't have a phone. That's and, right. And I'm just like, hey, fire! You know, you you go and you look at the the world. You go out. You look at in the stars. what age you
1: got your first uh, phone? <laughs>
0: that, that's a funny one. I mean, technically until high school i didn't get a phone until high school but um i think i remember even the first phone that i got nowadays people are getting iphones i had to get or not had to get but i begged my parents to get us or get me a go phone from at&t so it was just a basic little phone almost like a flip phone but it had a keyboard like a long little full text keyboard on it and a little mini screen. So that's what I would use. That was my first phone. I would only use it for just calling. That's basically it. What brand was? Alcatel. Mm. Yeah, but I had a big sticker on it. So I was like, I was not trying to flex that I had a cool phone because I didn't. I had a cheap phone. My phone was probably like 40 bucks. But I had an iPod. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd carry around my iPod with me or like that's where I'd have music or watch YouTube and stuff like that. So pretty much that was my or an iPod touch more specifically, not like a little basic iPod, but I had an iPod touch, which is nowadays basically like an iPhone. Yeah, you at, have everything in, time. in the, uh, the iPhone. You could download apps. That was the cool part about the iPod once they implemented apps, because I remember I had an iPod shuffle. Which was just a little small, little
1: the the uh, the skinny ones, right?
0: No, not even. Oh, the, uh, the small nano. one. It's or, a little small, small one. Square that costs fifty bucks. That all it has on it is the play, yes, the skip, the up volume and down volume. And you plug in your headphones and it has a little clip. You can just. It's like it. an
1: MP3. Uh, it's an MP3 player, yeah.
0: basically. Yeah. So that was, and I had a light green. It was fire. That was that was my <laughs> mine. But yeah, that was my my setup back then. So I didn't get an iPhone. Technically the first iPhone I got was iPhone seven. Okay. Yeah. I remember. Saved up a little bit of cash. One time for my summer birthday, one of my friends threw me into the pool. So I was I still would use the Go phone up until like even sophomore junior year. Um and so they threw me into the pool and I had my that little phone in my pocket. And so I remember pulling out that phone. And I was like dang this thing doesn't work anymore. <laughs> So that was when I upgraded. So that's when you upgraded. Yeah, it was my birthday, I think. So, like, I had saved, or not saved, but, like, I guess I had money in that little time period. And I went, got an iPhone, asked my mom to basically take me to AT&T, begged her.
1: Activated.
0: She got mad, yeah. She was like, I want to get you an iPhone. I was like, I was impatient because I wanted to get the iPhone that day because I was like, bro, like, I want it. I want it. You know, like a lot of people are calling me, (laughs) not even calling me. It was just like El Alborote to get on the phone, you know, like, so I was like, dude, I don't care what color just, but I did kind of care what color, but they had the color I wanted. My mom was over there trying to finesse the dude into getting us some deal or something. I was just like, bro, chill out. Like we'll just pay whatever we need to pay. And then she was just. Yeah, but I ended up getting my iPhone. So the iPhone Seven—that's what started my journey. iPhone Seven Plus, to be specific. I like the big one.
1: Really? Yeah, that was the first my one. Mine is I had. the Seven Plus, the one I have. I think didn't I? Oh, you have the Seven Plus. Yeah, I have the. Mine is the Seven Plus. I don't what, know what you have. Is the Twelve or Eleven?
0: Right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, kind of like iPhone Eleven. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: Um, I'm thinking of maybe upgrading to the one that comes out this year. Because back to what I was about to say. I've been trading in iPhones ever since I've had iPhone, like upgrading, trading in because Apple has really good trading program. So ever since I got the 7, my habit is to just take my phone. I always buy unlocked, no carrier, no nothing like that. So that way I could trade it in and then just get the new phone.
1: So do you think the uh, iPhone is better than the, um, I mean, the Android and then the uh, Google and I think, uh, what, it, it's uh, uh, Tesla is coming with the, with the phone? Tesla phone? Uh, I, I haven't read that. I haven't seen that. No. Somebody uh, was talking well, about I don't, I don't know if I'm sure.
0: That's cap. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know. think that's cap. Yeah. I might buy a Tesla, though. I ain't even going oh. front. <laughs> Teslas are nice, bro, especially with the economy going down. I'm in the market for a new car, y'all. Pray for me that God can open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a brand new Tesla for your boy. But. Pray for pray pray for me, y'all. I'm in the market. If y'all know anybody who sells cars, or if y'all got good deals or any tips on credit unions and stuff like that, send your boy as much info as a good strategy as you can. to buy yeah, a car. Strategies. Yeah. If you guys recently bought a car, yeah, definitely. For something. Let me know. Let me know. I'm, I'm always trying to learn. I'm young. I'm new in this game. I we gotta, always
1: need to be learning something.
0: Trying to grow. Trying to be in the reach the pinnacles of the higher upper echelons of society. So if y'all are there. <laughs> Y'all are blessed. Y'all are living in the promised land. In other words, y'all got the good good view in. Then help a brother out. Help me get to the promised land. Help us get to the promised land together. Speaking of the promised land, well, it's as if we planned these segues. I always say that, but nah, I, I think about them ahead of time. I'm just kidding. But the reality is we're continuing the story this week where we left it off last week with the interesting, fascinating Wonderful, unique character, the mighty Moses, Moshe.
1: Moises.
0: El Moises. El Principe de Egipto. What's another term? El Liberador de Israel. What's another one? You got one? Uh, no. The yeah. liberator of the people. Oh, um, he who opened the Red Sea. What's Every time one?
1: I think about uh, Moses, I think about the uh, Ten.
0: Ten Commandments. The yeah, Ten Commandments. commandments. Of course, that's that classic. Very classic, classic. Classic Moses moment with the big white beard and all that. Interestingly, I read a fact. Um, Moses was characterized by wearing red. Did you know that? Like when they draw him or depict him in art and things like that. I don't know where they've, I think it's references in like certain uh, rabbinic texts mm-hmm. like the Talmud and from different things of Jewish culture. But he's um, typically characterized or protagonized by wearing red. I don't know if you've seen pictures. I have seen like pictures, yeah, even movies. Even movies. Yes. So how he's typically depicted wearing the the yes. big robe with his staff. The, typically, the it's, red. It's red. Yes. It's interesting. Something unique to to Moses because like it's not a color that's that common, specifically like in the Middle East or like garments that were
1: worn in that. What oh, do they have you know? to do with it, with the time he lived in Egypt? I like to think uh, he had drip. Yeah, I I believe that he might have some. uh, How they call in English, uh, asastres, the one that comes. Oh, tailors. The tailor. I mean, a personal tailor. Yeah, I was gonna say he probably just. (laughs) was a drippy guy. He yeah. liked to have his own oh, style. He definitely. was like, I
0: want to wear red because no one else wears yeah, well, red. Definitely, I don't know. But I like to He think, was
1: a prince, remember? Well, he
0: was a prince. He was a prince. And, you know, that's part of where we left off yes. the story transitioning from his time in the... Obviously, we left off last week's story when he fled after having murdered an Egyptian and Pharaoh basically sent the full might of his army trying to persecute him, so we remember. If we left off the story, he fleed to the region that is described in the Bible as Midian. Midian, what, what, what you what you got on, on Midian?
1: Anything? Well, Midian was a place that um, it was like a, it, it, it was a desert, and uh, it was far, or far away. He was exiling. And he had a nice time over there. He spent 40 years in that place. 40? 40. 40 years. Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm over here pulling up. Obviously, you guys can't see yeah, this. Yeah, you but have that map I got right a nice there. little map here, and it's showing me. It says that here, if we look at, you know, I'm, a, I'm trying to describe for our listeners. I'm looking at a nice, beautiful map of the Middle East. But essentially, Midian was kind of engulfed in between these two bodies of water, the Gulf of Agaba, is exactly what it's described at, but that's all stemming from the Red Sea. Yeah. So funny enough, Moses has kind of always been used to water. It's part of his... He's like us. He's in the waves. He's a water
1: guy. (laughs) Later on (laughs) down the road... I like that. I like that. Moses was into the waves all the time. (laughs) He was an OG into the waves, yeah. I mean, that's what it
0: says, Midian, right? So that was the region that he happened to enter in, but it was essentially, obviously like on the arm of the Red Sea. And eventually, you know, one of his biggest moments takes place at the Red Sea. Yeah. Kind of like you could say he had success in his hometown or in his old school roots. So that's a that's a little interesting tidbit of Moses. But we left off the story and he's, he's fleeing to this region, right? And so we know that there was an encounter that he had, if we read in verse, Basically, we're picking up the story, Exodus chapter 2, verse, verse 11. Um, for the purposes of the, of the podcast today, we read it in last week's story, so we can just summarize. Essentially, there's this encounter. There's this family that Moses luckily has the, I'd say, you know, there's no coincidences in the plan of God. So we knew, you know, Moses luckily has this encounter where there were these girls that pulled up to a well. They were trying to, you know, get their water, get their camels tended to. And then all of a sudden, these guys come in and try to, you know, they're bothering them. And so it says that Moses, the mighty Moses, obviously, you know, we know that he has a little bit of a knack for justice, as we talked about last podcast. So he sees the injustice going on to the girls and he's like, yo, calms it down, protects the girls. He, he, he protects them, and then not only does he protect them, but he then serves them, right? And so let's just pick off reading essentially in verses 18. It says, when the girls returned to Reuel, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? My Bible says Reuel. What does your Bible say? The same. Reuel? Right? Yes.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. We're reading uh, from the NIB, right? Exactly. Yes. I'm reading from the NIV.
0: So we are introduced to this individual, Rethuel, and we know that those are his daughters. So he tells them, why have you returned so early today? Verse 19, they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherd. So now we see that Moses, his features cause him to be identified as an Egyptian. Yes. Look at that. Even the way he looks, his physical appearance is still stemming back to his time that he spent, obviously, growing up in Egypt, so
1: he pretty much, I guess, he looked like an e- Egyptian,
0: right? He looks one way on the exterior, but then you know we oh. learned from last podcast <laughs> yeah. that his true identity, what he identifies that, and the part of what makes him so unique is that he identifies with the people of Israel. So yeah. interesting little note there that they call him an Egyptian, yet internally we know that his identity that he feels conflicted with of am I Egyptian? Am I a Jew? But he identifies with being a Jew, and so he says that. An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. So there we see Moses, you know, he has a little shout out there for being a good guy. And so he says on verse 20, and where is he? Raul asked his daughters, why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. The guy is like, yo, he took care of you guys. Come on, you should, let's have him be our guest here in our home. And so verse 21 it says, Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Look at that. The boy did a good job. Look at that. For all you single guys out there, pull up to a well, save some girls, give them some water to their camels, and yeah, you'll get a wife. You
1: will get the favor from the father You'll get a nice We're not in the daughter. Middle East, so
0: that probably won't happen. You'll probably be like... This random, dude, giving water to my dog. (laughs) That'll be the modern day. Go to the dog park and give their, their dog water. But it says that Moses was given a wife. And in this case, it was the daughter of the man, Zipporah.
1: Zipporah, yes.
0: And verse 22 says, Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Boom, right there, we see Moses having his first son. That is recounted in the story of the Bible, right? And interestingly enough, we don't hear too much about the sons of Moses. Not know? really. He, they don't really as other sons played a significant role. We saw with Abraham, with Jacob, with Isaac, the the role of the son. Is not something... not
1: not even his wife. You don't uh Do you Moses? see the name? Yes. Yeah. Later on. That's true. It's like you don't you don't get see it. them. Yeah. And, and and the different events that happened with Moses, you don't see them being part of it. Right. That's kind of characteristic
0: to yeah. his life where, you know, with Abraham, we or even Jacob, Isaac, the famous counterparts, Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, there's these famous, notable names. Yeah. But with Moses, there's not one, interestingly enough. But interestingly, he chooses to say, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. In other words, right, at one point Last podcast, he was a prince. He was literally the head of the Egyptian royalty, the son of the pharaoh. And so imagine how he grew up in that climate. He probably had all the food that he could be accustomed to, access to whatever he needed, whatever books, education. But now he's identifying, I'm a foreigner. I'm a, Much like how Abraham, remember, he reflected that he was an immigrant, his name, what it means to be an immigrant, Abraham prior to being his name switched to Abraham. It's that same reflection, but interesting, you know, how Moses is thrusted into this, essentially, form of exile. I know it's a topic that we talk about a lot. We dive depth into Joseph in exile. We dive deep into Daniel in exile. But here Moses is essentially going through his own form of exile, and as you mentioned, he spent 40 years here in Midian. 40 so years, yeah. That's the, that's the start of this basically this scene right here where Moses receives this wife has his son but you know that 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 what an insight that Moses is taking if we just take a second there to pause he's extremely out of his comfort zone he's miles out of his depth he at one point everything that he knew essentially was flipped completely upside down you know can you imagine being placed in a situation like that where you spent part of your life working somewhere and then all of a sudden you had to be thrusted into another situation i think you can speak Uh, on that i I, I, I was gonna say that i'm
1: really kind of like you know i'm I'm, i really i know you've talked about it on the podcast
0: but like mentally
1: uh, what does that do to someone? you know know? what i was i was gonna say about that you know all that mostly have to go through and, and and emotionally because he left everything behind yeah, and he's getting out of the, the the comfort zone, and now he's in a place that he has nobody, because he's he's in a stranger. He's starting from scratch. Yeah. So, so just 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 think for a moment, the emotional situation that he was right there, you know, all his family was back home, and especially the reason why he was there. Right, it it, it troubled him. I I believe he was running running. Every day he will have to face, like, why I am doing here. And
0: it's deep, you know. I don't know what situation you guys might find yourself in, but maybe you identify with Moses, too, where you're in this point in your life where at one point you had one thing. At one point you might have been the Pharaoh. At one point you might have had a certain position, had a certain job, had a certain relationship, had a certain friendship, and then all of a sudden, for one reason or another, life happens— things get maybe you didn't kill an egyptian but things happen things Definitely. anything and then all of a sudden you you can identify with being a foreigner the same way moses identifies as being a foreigner in this land but how interesting is it that even though you know he's being blessed he's starting a family he's having a child he's he's being always all along you see that god never left him and and it's intentional i think in the design of the story because You know, just to fast forward a little bit into the scene, he spends 40 years here, right? Verse 23 says that during Exodus chapter 223 says during that long period. So even there, right, it's interesting because the way that the Bible is currently structured, it's with verses, with numbers. But as we've spoken about before you know, the way Moses chooses to structure this part because of, he he was he's he's, he's the, the writer. Author. Yes, he's remember the author, this. Yes. He's the author of the intentional doing that. So now he he's getting us as the reader mm-hmm. to understand: hey, look, there's a time that has been shifted, there's been this period that has gone by. And so literally during that long period, the king of Egypt died. died. So here we see that the pharaoh that was once persecuting uh In this case, sorry, I was going to call him Daniel because, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, who was persecuting him. But our boy Moses, he's dead. His once oppressor is now dead. So we're introduced to a new, in other words, Pharaoh, the king. The the king of Egypt is the Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. And so it says that the Israelites groaned in slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. So their situation has not gotten better. Since Moses left, they were slaves. Forty years have gone by, they're still slaves, right? But then now it says that their faith has shifted, the people. There's now, Mm, there's been a turn, and now they're crying out to God, which is a unique position that they found themselves in. Because remember, if we understand the history, the context of the people of Israel, what got them there in the first place was the fact that they turned their back on God. At the end of Genesis chapter 50 and the gap in between Genesis and Exodus, we know that the people of Israel returned to worshiping other gods, lost sight of the true God of their culture, Yahweh, in this case. And so now we see that their cry is being lifted up towards this big G God, the one and only, the true, the, the, the God that we're choosing to highlight in our stories. And
1: we want to uh, uh, remember or listen that there was 400 years past. It, w- it was four, 400 years. From the end of Genesis. From Genesis 50 to what they're leaving. is Exodus. Yes. 400 years. Can you imagine? That's deep. So it was like uh, four generations, a different mindset, different mentality, different beliefs, different everything. And even, you know, it's interesting
0: because that parallel between, you know, in this case, the 40 years that mm-hmm. Moses spends in exile, yes. the 400 years that the people are spending in slavery later than we transition yes. to the 40, 400 years that is spent, you know, this number four is something that is comes up pivotally. But, uh, you know, I was studying a little better, and the four comes up constantly time and time again, right? Even most famously, Jesus, when he was out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, Mm -hmm. Noah, during the story of the flood, was 40 days and 40 nights. In other words, whenever we see this number four, it draws our attention to this time of trial, this time of testing, this period where you're in your zone of uncomfort. I think that that's the best way that we can symbolize the number four. And so it's so pivotal to this story that 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 message of when you are forced out of your comfort zone, then what do you do when when you are stripped from being the prince? and then you're forced to now be the shepherd because if we read verse 3 of chapter 1 it says now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian How, uh, what do you do when you go from being a pharaoh to being a shepherd yeah when you're when you're in this completely new environment when even Moses himself identifies as a foreigner this concept Right. It's so central to the story of Moses. And it causes me to ask ourselves, how does that apply to us today? Right. And and that's the key thing. You know, a lot of times in our modern day culture, we try so many times to line ourselves up with the right job. We try to, you know, we spend time. And, you know, you go to college, you spend four years yes. lining up variables. Even there, the number four comes up again. Yeah. If y'all are in college right now, y'all probably feel like you're going <laughs> through a time of testing. Yeah. A time of trial. A time of maybe you're not 40 days and 40 nights without water, but you're feeling the pressure. It is symbolic. It's a symbolic thing. It, it, it's a thing that really, you know, and this is a beautiful thing because it's in stark contrast to the negative form of exile. Right. Whenever there's this number of 40 added into it, when when it's like uh, when you are put into exile for this, you know, short amount of time, it's almost as if it's a good form of exile. It's this positive exile. Why? Because it's in the exile that things happen. It's when you're shifted into this zone of uncomfort, which we're going to start to, you know, unfold this story of what happens. It's in the exile that you are having your greatest encounters. mm. Let's read this story right here that that we're about to literally dive into one of the most beautiful encounters in my opinion in the entire Bible. Like I don't, I don't know how you feel about it but to me when I read this story and I don't read it that often because <laughs> being as a little kid this is one of the most common stories that is talked about that is but I rarely see you know, there's not too much emphasis on this story. Sometimes it can kind of fall in the back of people's library or their brain. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, for me, it's when when I kind of like you know see that the the experience. It's kind of like for me, it's like I don't want to be in Moses' shoes, right? Especially when when God is dealing directly with you or with somebody else. So it's kind of like, oh, I don't want it. I don't want it. Interesting. So for me, when I when I read that story, and I say, hmm, you wouldn't want this encounter. Then, no, really. No. Wow. I mean, for, I mean it's. I really kind of like seeing the, the seeing the burning bush. It's kind of like wow, th- this is <laughs> something you know. If we can say probably a, a supernatural experience. One hundred percent. I mean, God Himself. Right. And, I mean, let us read the story. Yes, what yes, it yes. says it says now Moses was tending the flock
0: of Jethro. His father-in-law, previously we heard his name was Raul. Yes, it was was a
1: different name. Look it down. Now his his name is Jethro. Because look
0: at what it says. It says, Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Mm. Midian. So we see that now he's introduced to this title. And it's funny because the priest of Midian essentially means friend of God. That When it's translated back into the Hebrew. So this character of Jethro that we're introduced to, I'm, for the purposes, we're going to continue to call him Jethro because I like that name. It sounds sick. It's it's better than Raul. I'm like, I know enough Rauls. Let me, let me talk to Jethro, Jethro, my boy Jay. Where's my boy Jay at? Boy Jay. Who's Jay, right? He's the priest of Midian. Yep. In other words, a friend of God. Um, And his other name, Jethro, in Hebrew, is most often like the synonym for the word excellency. So Mm. Jethro is essentially this father figure to, to Moses. He takes him in. Remember, he gives him one of his daughters, Zipporah, that we just read that story. Yes, And so that's the character in which Moses is essentially operating under. In other words, his boss. Because if we understand Middle Eastern culture, the relationship between a father and their son-in-law, there's a lot of those stories. Abraham and Lot, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, right? We see it time and time again that there's this relationship between the father. The role that the patriarch often plays is a symbol of authority, in other words, is what our... Anytime you see a father and a son relationship, the son is always seen as the highest authority in the room, yeah. typically. So that that's the character that we're introduced to here with Jethro. And it says, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. Look at that. So not only is he was he in Midian, again, exiled from Egypt, now we're thrusted into the story where he's even further in the wilderness. Yeah. So he's in the depth of the depths. He's out there by himself. He's out there in uncharted territories. Working hard, huh? He's grinding. Yeah, He's doing what he was assigned to do by his father-in-law. He's operating under an authority. Ding, 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 te, ding to any of y'all listening, but if y'all aren't operating under an authority, let me tell you, there's key to unlocking so much when you start to operate and when you start to go into this role of operating from a position of humility and recognizing authority in your life. I've, I'm someone who struggled with that personally a lot. Like high school, middle school, you name it. Like I'm sure my parents at the parent-teacher conferences, they were not always the best conversations that were had,
1: <laughs> but you, you know? But you know what? It's funny that you say that because you you were smart. I mean, teachers always in the, in the teachers' conference, they really, they will give us a good report of you in a right. sense that, you, you know, you were smart, you were charismatic and you helped you, you, but. But
0: I would never surpass my other class. I'm not like I was one of the best. It's not like I was, oh my goodness, this dude is the next prodigy, <clears throat> the next Steve Jobs, because I was not operating in this simple principle of recognizing authority. Mm. I had this chip on my shoulder. <laughs> I was a kid who they tell me, hey, do this. And I'd be like, why? Why do I have to <laughs> yeah. do that? You know, so it's like. This simple concept, but here we see Moses. Yeah. It says that he was leading his uh, his father-in-law's flock. There's so <laughs> many stories of shepherds in the Bible at this point that Ooh, it's almost like, yep. you know. It's a very common. It's a very common it's symbol. It's a pattern
1: that we can see right there.
0: And it's a pattern and it's symbolic for a reason because if yes. you think about the role of a shepherd, yes. how much of a humble job that is. I, I, that's that's the way I like to think about it when I think of a shepherd Later on, they compared Jesus to being the true and faithful shepherd. David was a shepherd. So, like, there's this sense of whenever you hear the word shepherd, you think of this humble person, this individual who just spends all their time hugging their sheep, being really introspective. But that's a message to us in our lives. You know, oftentimes, I don't know, you might be a coder. You might be the next I don't know, you're a super intelligent marketing strategist or you might be a business analyst, whatever it may be, whatever your flock is, tend to it with care, tend to it with humility, tend to it with just the passion that regardless of what you are, even if at one point you were the Pharaoh, like literally you were a prince. Moses was a prince, but it was not beyond him to then serve his, fa- his, his father-in-law's flock. Powerful. That you, he was once in the temple where something like sheep, those are common well, to him. He,
1: he, let's say he, he, he was carrying an authority because he was a prince in Egypt, but now he's in a different position. He's not an authority. Oh. He's a foreigner. Yes. But yet he's
0: still willing yes. to you know put in the attention to detail, detail, love what he's doing, be passionate, because he's taking them out for a long walk. He took them all the way to this mountain we're about to read. It says that he led them. Into the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Sheesh. You know, that's so interesting to me. Horeb in the Hebrew means desert or desolation. Mm. It's basically, you know, what it's symbolizing to us here in the story is that Moses has reached a point where he's in desolation. Think about that. He is at the, basically, in other words, if you can say he's at rock bottom. Yeah. He's at the lowest of the lows. He can't get any lower than that, right? And then you think, okay, story ends there. Oh, sucks for Moses, right? No, let's read what happens. It says that there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? Think about that. That's crazy. It was. You think, oh, in the point of desolation, nothing's gonna happen. But yet, it's in the point of desolation <laughs> where the supernatural unfolds. Where where this literally burning bush is like Moses is like, yo, am I? Are y'all seeing this? He's talking to the sheep. He's like, are y'all seeing what I'm seeing? There's a bush. Right in front of me, but it's not burning. It's on fire, but it's not getting burnt up. So you'd think it's in the point of desolation where everyone's written you off, where everyone's said, hey, you're done for. It's in the point where you are at your rock bottom where you'd think, ah, man, this guy ain't got no potential anymore. Oh, man, that dude spent already five years. He should have graduated in four. Man, he's done. He's not going to get a new job. Oh, whatever it may be. But in that point of desolation... We see that things start lighting up. We see that things are getting
1: hot. We see that it's in the point of desolation that that's where things start cooking. I I like what you just said. Things start getting hot. Think about it. for it was
0: hot. It says that in this point of desolation, there the angel of the Lord Mm. appeared to him. We've talked about what the angel of the Lord might represent, especially in the Old Testament. It's basically here we see that. Moses is now in having this intimate encounter with the God, the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, the God of Isaac. Remember Jacob wrestled with this same character, the angel of the Lord. It's the same one. Here we see that Moses is now basically about to be introduced to the great. I am to the one who literally was with Daniel in the pit was with Joseph. It's, it's powerful. What's about to happen, even though, He's at a point of desolation. That speaks to life, too. I don't know what you might be going through, whatever situation, but don't fear. Because remember, as we said, he had spent 40 years going through all these trials. He had spent 40 years going through all this time where he was wrestling with what he was to the point where his identity had been shifted. He once was a prince, but now he was a foreigner. He had no idea what was going to happen with his life. But it was in the middle of all of that that he has an encounter with the angel of the Lord. So don't give up on whatever your situation might be because you might be at the point of your breakthrough. Look at what happens. Let's read what it says. It says that he was curious. So he was like, let me go check out what's going on. I'm reading Exodus chapter 3 verse 4. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Wow. Wow. How comforting is it to know that the Lord sees you when you go and look? That when you take a time and you recognize that there is something happening, when you recognize, hey, there's something there that looks strange, when you see that the bush is burning but it's not being consumed, then you take a moment to peer into that. God's looking. He's, how, how comforting is it to know that he has his eye on you? He's watching what you're going to do. He's interested to see how you're going to react when his presence enters your life.
1: And sometimes that's, I, I believe that that was God's intention to do that so that Moses, Moses can get focused on what I, was, what I was. What's going to happen, that experience? Because sometimes we are so caught up seeing other things, seeing ourselves so defeated, so fearful, so said, I'm done. And that's when that moment comes and God will grab your attention. With something that Moses identified as
0: strange, yes. Well, don't be surprised if things in your life you might be labeling them as strange. That's the that's the hand of God right there yeah. moving. Yeah, take a little uh, like take a second to peer into that. Take a second to be like, huh, that's interesting. Let me go and check out what's going there because you never know what's happening. Because look at what it says here. It says that when he saw, God called. Yes. When you go and make that first step to go and look, God's going to look then for you. Like it says so many times throughout the scripture that he's there, like the patiently waiting, knocking at the door. Yes, 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 yes. He was just waiting for Moses to come and look. Yep. And then what he does is he calls by name. Yep. Think about that. How powerful is it to know that God knows your name? If if that doesn't give you a big step in your walk, (laughs) if that doesn't be like, sheesh, man, I'm special. Yep. I don't know what will. But he says that he called him by his name. And as we know, every true prophet is always called by God. I don't know what that might mean to you in your life. Maybe it sounds crazy. Maybe it sounds abstract. But the reality is that every single person in their life has what is known as a purpose. Yeah, Has what is known as, let me extend it to you in a different word, your calling you know, a lot of people throughout like life and professional, you know, environments, there have different names for it. They might be like, "What's your What's your passion? What's your What's your desire? What is your In Japanese culture, they call like your ikiyagi. My friend Kyle, he taught me that one time that there is that. It's basically what your heart desires most. It's a question that everybody wrestles with. I don't care if you're a Christian, if you identify as whatever you might identify as. It doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, you wrestle with one question. It's, why am I here?
1: What everybody I, does.
0: What am I doing yeah. with my life? And so how, how cool is it to know that God is interested in that? God knows that because it says that he called To Moses. He says, Moses, Moses, and look at what Moses does. And Moses said, here I am. The first thing that I want you to draw your attention is that you have to respond to the calling.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: I I, I don't know what it might be in your life that you feel tugged to, that there are certain things that when you do them, you feel strange. You feel like, whoa, I felt good. I felt happy. I felt peace. Maybe there are certain things that you do that you're just like, dang, when I do this, I feel like I'm 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 killing it. I feel like I'm crushing it. It feels strange, but the reality is that it shouldn't feel strange. Maybe that's what God has designed you for. Maybe that's what is quote unquote your purpose, your calling when you feel those things where you're like, "Man, I feel good operating into that, lean into that." Because that might be the areas in your life where you are designed to have the most impact. Whether that's at your job with your colleagues, whether that's at work, whether that's being with your family, whether that's being with your siblings, whatever it may be, there are areas in your life where he is speaking. It's just up to identify, to see and be like, yo, I'm here. And then what happens is that there's a direct encounter. Verse 5, it says that God tells Moses, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. In, in the culture of the Middle East, taking off your sandals, it was done as a sign of respect. It was done as a sign of humility. Even today, you know, if you go into, like, some practices, they cannot enter into their building the, the, without uh, removing the Muslims. The Muslims, yes. certain other faiths. I know that it's something that, like, for example, my friend Amanji, he told me that in Sikhism, Culture Before you enter into a certain part where you read their basically version of the Bible, the Guru Gransa, you must remove your shoes. So it's a practice done to symbolize humility, done to show and say, hey, I'm taking a step and recognizing that what I'm doing is something that I must have respect for, that I must basically take a moment to realize what I'm about to do. And he says, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This was a mountain. This was a mountain like the mountain that I go and walk my dog at, Edgewood. Or where did we go the other day? Pulga's Ridge Reserve.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: You know, this is this is not no special mountain. Mm-hmm. It it has rocks the same way there's rocks here. It had sand the same way there's sand here. But there, was, there was no altar. There was no nothing. There's no four walls. Nope. No big PA system. Nope. No fancy light rig. No wireless microphones. Nope. No Ableton. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> i'm preaching to someone there but nah, the reality not nah, nah air condition <laughs> it was not fancy place nope but yet somehow god says that this is holy ground yes you know why it was holy ground is because his presence was there mm, beautiful
1: yes because
0: he was there i don't know where you might be at what your what your spot in life might be but that that's a message to you to show you that no matter how ordinary you might think something to be If the presence of God is there, that's holy ground. That's a place where things can be transformed. That's a place where you could come in and have an encounter. That's a place where you can come in and experience the experience that Moses experienced, regardless of what it may be. This mountain was called Horeb. It was called desolation. Yep. You got an apartment with some tile, bro. So, like, you got something better than what he had. And keep in mind, he told them to take his shoes off. So the little pebbles were coming up in my boy's toes. He was feeling uncomfortable, but yet think about what's about to happen. One of the most powerful moments in his entire life. It says that then he said, obviously, this is now God speaking directly to Moses. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face. Because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Remember what we left off last week's podcast in what verse Exodus 22, verse 25 says, so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned yes. about them. Remember that we talked about that here. We see God now addressing Moses directly and being like, look, I see That my people are not being oppressed, which was the same thing that Moses recognized here. We see God relating to him, not only in his family, being like, I'm the God of your father and the God of your generations, but I'm also the God who sees what you see. That's so powerful that that in this moment, the creator of all things, the creator of heaven and earth, literally one of the most powerful, most creative, infinite beings on the entire earth humbled himself down to the form of a bush, to talk to a man and tell him, hey, I see what you see. That's so powerful. That at that point, God was willing to step in and encounter Moses. Basically, what I'm trying to get you to see is where he was at. God came to him and where he was at and what he could understand.
1: Can we say that he got him to the same level of Moses?
0: He demonstrated humility Uh, himself which is why he was asking then hey now show humility back why because i'm trying to lead you into something i'm trying to get you from your calling to your passion to then living a life fulfilled with purpose
1: mm. can like, you re- repeat that i like what you just said you just you just really plucked those things first he calls him yes by
0: his name yes then he's now leading him to have an encounter he's getting him to understand his mindset, to then plug him into the purpose that he has for him. Mm, Beautiful. Like like I said, everyone here listening to this has a calling. Everyone listening to this has a plan. Everyone listening to this has a purpose. And guess what? How powerful is it to know that God sees what you see? Yes. He related to Moses because Moses was so enraged when he saw the Egyptian attacking the Jew. And so God now says, I have seen their suffering. Right there, that's God humbling himself and saying, hey, I see what you see. As we know, this is the Old Testament, but he gave his one and only son. His son died for you so that that gap between us and him could be made closer. We don't need to go to a mountain to encounter this experience, to have this connection that Moses experienced. We've been allowed to experience that on a day-to-day Your office is holy ground. The gym is holy ground. Yes, come on. Your apartment is holy ground. Keep that in mind, guys. Keep that in mind that anything that you do where you invite the presence of God in, that's holy ground. He says in verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. This is the second time he says it. I'm connected to the people. I don't want them to suffer. That's not my plan for them. I have a bigger plan. That, that's so comforting. Jeremiah says it, that for I know the plans I have
1: for you. 29, 11, Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember
0: that he is always working for your good. That's always the nature of our creator. He's always thinking about things that are good for us, thinking about plans that are better than what we may see, and he's trying to get us to connect with that. He's trying to take us from, like I said, from our calling to our purpose, So that we can live in peace. And he continues saying, verse 8, So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. I've always wondered if that's a good combo. Has anyone ever had milk and honey? Let me know because I'm (laughs) like, that sounds good. But essentially, milk and honey, honey symbolizes blessing, symbolizes just abundance. Think about the Middle East. it There were no cows, so where are they getting milk? Yeah. There, there were no bees. It's hard to cultivate honey. You need to have a little bit of some technological. So like it's, it's symbolizing that there is plentiful and bountiness there. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, essentially a long list of enemies. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. Verse 10, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Right there, boom, he lays it on them. He's like, I called you. Moses, Moses, where you at? I'm preparing you. But now look, this is what I've designed you for.
1: (laughs) One of the things surprised me. It was uh, verse 8. When God said, I have come down to rescue them. Can you imagine just for a moment, the creator, as you were saying, is down. An
0: infinite being of all power. Is down. He's He's intervening directly. Yes. (laughs) In other words, he's working alongside of us. He is in direct partnership with Moses. In other words, he's shoulder to shoulder bearing the load with you. He's there when you're at work. He's there when you're doing whatever you're doing. He's there when you're trying to discipline your kids, maybe because they're not behaving good. He's there when you're going through the heartbreak that your boyfriend that you were dating for eight years dumped you and now all of a sudden you're eating ice cream. He's there, you know? He's shoulder to shoulder because he says, I have come down to rescue, meaning that he doesn't care where you're at. He's going to go and find you. He's going to go and reach you. And not only that, he's going to reach you where you're at and he's going to bless you. He's going to take you to the land of milk and honey. He wants good things for you. Like I said, I don't know if you've tried milk and honey, but that sounds good. Milk and honey could be anything. I'm over here praying for a new car. That could be my new milk and honey. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You might need a new house. Yep. You might need to pay for college for your kids. I
1: received my new house.
0: There you go. You know, whatever that promised land for you is, know that God has it for you. That's his purpose. Yes. Again, let's let's be clear on this. None of this has happened. Moses is still on the mountain, but he's telling him, "Yeah, look at what I have for you. And not only that, he then lists their enemies. He's like, look, bro. I'm gonna not only give you a nice land. I'm gonna give you the land that your
1: enemies had. That's right there. That's a full, full message. Full message. That'll preach on its own. It says that you know all the uh, the ites. Well, how all the itids? All the itids. Any little itids. One day we can we should bring all what it represent because those those are it represent something. Those are the
0: haters. Those are the people who are coming against you. We're talking about Canaanites. We're talking about Hittites. We're talking about Amorites, Persites. It's your enemies. It's yes. the people that are coming against you. God is saying, hey, don't worry about that, yo. Don't worry about the haters. Because guess what? The plan that I have for you is a plan where those haters, they pay the price. They'll get what's due to them because I'm trying to give it to you. That's that'll, like you said, that'll preach right there. (laughs) I don't know how many haters you might be facing in your life or people telling you, Hey, what you're doing ain't right. Let me tell you, God's got your back, He's fighting for you. But then, not only that, He then speaks into Moses and tells him, Hey, all of that is because I need you. Look at that. Everything, the whole conversation about extending it to the people. Now, you might have a desire in your life where you're like, man, I really love people. My desire is to help them. My desire is to impact my generation. My desire is to impact my family. My desire is to impact my spouse. My desire is to impact my kids. Everyone at the end of the day, the one thing that their desire is, is a lot of times we weigh on what other people think of us, their perceptions of how they see us, right? In this case, God is saying, look, I have a plan for everyone, but I need you.
1: Mm, that's so beautiful.
0: I need you. Go ahead. Yes. Regardless of everything, regardless of how much everyone else matters, at the end of the day, it's so powerful to know that the relationship that we have with Christ is one-on-one. The relationship that we have with God is literally exclusively designed just for you. doesn't fit to anyone
1: else. You know, maybe somebody is not gonna be agree what sometimes what we're saying, but you know, we all know God is so powerful. But you know what? He needs you. Mm. He needs you.
0: Not only does he need you, but he wants you. Yes. How 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 crazy is it to think that we were just talking about how he's willing to come down and mm-hmm. rescue you, all with the word you. Yes. Moses is writing this. Think about, yep. what, you know, to me this brings I would cry, you know, of to to think, man, of of someone like me, of someone with my past, of someone who is so flawed. I'm the last person who deserves for someone like him to see me and be like, "Hey, I want you. You're the one I want." Oh, no, no, don't look at your past. I want you. Yep. You know, like like we were talking about he made that land holy to have an encounter with Moses, but it was ordinary land. He'll go anywhere he needs to go to reach you because he wants you. In español, I heard this one time preached that a worship leader said this. He was ministering and he's like, El Señor y el Dios que nosotros servimos nos cela. He is jealous for us. There's a there's a, a song in English that's called How He Loves Us, and it says that He is jealous for me. You have a God who's jealous for you. I, I, I'll go out right out and say it. it might sound crazy. It might sound like, nah, there's no way that there's a God who's jealous for, for me. But the truth is he is. Yes, he is, he, definitely. He's coming for you because like how he says, I am concerned about my people. He cares about you. He's not just on a painting on your wall. Mm. And he's not just stuck at some altar or some temple. He is deeply involved in your every day-to-day life to the point where he met Moses at a mountain. He'll meet you where you're at. And he says, and he gives this instruction to Moses. Look at that. He tells him his purpose. He's like, I want you to liberate the people. He lays it out for him. He tells him, Moses, this is my plan for you. What do you think?
1: I'll go. Do it. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> It was God himself, huh? (laughs) That'd be sick. It was not nobody. It was God himself saying, now go.
0: We were talking about it. You were like, I wouldn't want this to happen to me. I told you.
1: (laughs) I told you. I mean, that was a big responsibility. I mean, that was a big task right there. That's the big G. I mean, it was no option to say, uh, it was God himself telling you, now go. Literally,
0: go. And so, you know, how powerful is that? Because... He doesn't, a God that can literally do everything, but he's not forcing you to do it. Go ahead,
1: go ahead, yes.
0: He could have brainwashed Moses if he wanted to, been like, hey, I'm going to control this guy and use him as my tool. He's having a conversation with him, and he's taking a form, humbling himself, and trying to talk face to face with him and be like, hey, what is up? Let's talk. I'm I'm trying to work with you. Let's have a partnership here. This ain't no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to puppet you and brainwash you and control you like some puppet master on a string. Mm-hmm. This is a one-on-one relationship that you're choosing to sign up to. What do you do then? He's asking, I'm telling you to go. Now what do you do? You'd think, man, if God speaks to me, I, you're saying you wouldn't like it. I'm honestly being like, I'd, I'd love to have some clarity in my life. I'd love to to see like, hey, God is telling me, hey, out of everything that you're meant to do, this is the one thing that you're supposed to do. I don't know if anyone can identify. Maybe you might feel like my boy RC over here who's like, that's too intense. There's people who are probably agreeing with you. They're like, no, that's not for me. That'd be too much. Or maybe there's people who are like me. I'm like, no, I would love to have that much structure, that much plan to know, oh, that's all I need to do. Okay, I can focus on that.
1: And can I tell you something? God wants to do that. Right. Because God is not a God of confusion. Of God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He definitely has a plan. Sometimes the problem is that we don't ask what is the plan. Or sometimes... Or we're scared to receive the yes. plan. Yes. You see? Like
0: in this case, you're like, I, was- I wouldn't
1: want this to happen yeah. to me. Yeah.
0: I'm more like, I want the directions. Whatever you might yes. identify with. Maybe you're, you're like, I would love for God to just come in and hand me a sheet that says, hey, Papa, here's your job description. Handle it. Go and do it. I would love that. Just like a, (laughs) yes, sir, and I'd do it. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, that'd be way too much for me. I don't know what I'd do. Let's see what Moses does. Verse 11 says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? My boy was scared. It was. He was like, oh, dude.
1: Now, now, you have to remember, I don't know, but maybe he didn't know that the old Pharaoh had died already because back then, you know, so who knows, who yeah. knows, but he, he knew that it was, it was a big challenge right there. Right. He, and, but his immediate
0: reaction is to say, am I even the one who is qualified for that? Mm-hmm. Like, nah, that ain't for me. Yeah. God's over here on a burning bush talking to you directly oh, yeah. and being like, yo, I'm here. He tells him, verse 12, and God said, I will be with you, Mm. and this will be the sign to you that it is who I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Wow, look at that. He tells him, all right, look, you don't trust yourself. It's all good. I got you. Got your back. But Moses' reaction is like, no, 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 this ain't for me. The same thing you were saying, you were like, nah, this is too much. I don't meet the job description. I don't mm-hmm. feel qualified. Oh, my there's, resume. A new job. there's a new <laughs> job that I want to apply to on LinkedIn and I'm scared to submit my yep. application because I feel like I'm not qualified. Oh, maybe it's a new promotion that I'm too afraid to ask my boss for a raise because I feel like I'm not doing enough. There's this thing in modern day world, you might have heard of it, called imposter syndrome right there at its finest. Moses having imposter syndrome. Mm. Even though he was having a direct encounter, he was still questioning whether it was him who was called. Literally, we read it. Yeah. God said, I have called you. And his act, his question is, Me? Why me? Who am I? Right? But then God is like, All right, no excuses, bro. I got you. I'm gonna be with you. Then he responds. Moses, verse 13 says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So look at that. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have enough with one excuse. Look at Moses. <laughs> Moses. He's trying to wrestle his way out of this one. He, he He's like, this. oh, this is powerful. This weekend we were listening to a message about wrestling with the calling of God, right? Here we see God was clearly, clearly being like, yo, this is what I need you to do, champ. But Moses, like many of us, might be like, nah, that's not for me. I don't know. Is that really what you're telling me? Maybe God is saying, hey, you need to start tithing. And you're like, "Ah, I don't know if tithing is for me. I like my money where it's at. Maybe I'll go buy some Dogecoin, buy some Bitcoin. But you're not trusting him. Right there, God was trying to pull something out of Moses. He was trying to get him to trust him because he and then Moses is like, "But, But I don't even know. He's asking him a question about who he is. He doesn't understand who this almighty individual that he's dealing with is. He doesn't really know the full power of him. So he's like, What is his name? What shall I tell them? Immediately, his mind is being shifted. He's currently face-to-face face with the bush that's on fire. He's, in other words, face-to-face face with God. But the one thing that's on his mind is, oh, yeah, but what is, ¿Qué va a decir la vecina? Yeah. what is What are my coworkers going to think when I show up with my Jesus shirt? Yeah. what 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 is What are my friends going to think if I start posting these things? Automatically, you might be having in the encounter, you might be <laughs> on the mountain, but what you're looking at is everyone else.
1: That's what it is. That's what happened. That's what Moses was doing. And
0: and what's God's response to this? Let's see how he deals with that. He says, verse 14, God said to Moses, this is powerful in all caps, I am who I I am. am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. He, He Look at that. How powerful is that? God knows the Almighty. He says, I am who I am. He says, I am the creator. There's no one. I am eternal. He says, I don't need to tell you my name because who I am is enough. Who I've been is enough. The faith of my power is enough. I am Alpha. I am Omega. Yes. I am greater. I am stronger. There is no one that is greater than that God. Think about that for a second that that is the God who is currently sitting here and having a debate with Moses. That's deep. That's deep that this guy can just like how in the movies Zeus is depicted with the with the thunderbolt. He could smite him and be like, hey, this guy Moses is trash. <laughs> Cabezón. <laughs> but he's choosing to explain yes. to him his identity. He's taking his time, huh? He's taking time to build a relationship. Yes.
1: Beautiful. Yes, yes.
0: What we've talked about on the podcast You might be living the question and asking Mm. yourself, why? What is the why? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What is my purpose on this earth? God is really trying to tell you who. He's trying to show you who he is. He's trying to tell you that I am who I am and that that is enough. Verse 14 says, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, appear to me. He's telling them, hey, don't worry about what everyone else is going to say for a second, Moses. Get it out of your big, thick skull. That I've been with you and I've been with these people like I was with Abraham. Yes. Like I was with Jacob. Like I was with Isaac. In other words, he's trying to get Moses to understand, yo, have I failed you before? Mm -hmm. When have I ever left you guys struggling? Never. When have I ever not liberated you? Never. When have I ever not given you food when you've needed it? When have I ever left your bank account on zero when you needed to pay rent? When have I ever left your pantry without food when you needed to feed your kids? When have I ever left you without gas stranded in the middle of nowhere when you didn't even have 15 bucks to go and buy some gas? When? That's what he's trying to get Moses to tell him. Why are you so concerned about what everyone else is going to say? You only need to be concerned about what I have to say. Listen to me. He's trying to get Moses to be like, get get it out of your second for for a moment that it's not about you, but that it's about me. So many times we might go out throughout our life thinking uh, so much of a central selfish focus on trying to grow ourselves, on trying to grow what we have, on trying to grow our assets, on trying to grow our wealth, on trying to grow every single little thing. But when have we ever taken a moment to realize that all of that without truly connecting to what our passion is, to what we are meant to do, will leave us empty. It says that for what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? It's such a common thing that people wrestle with where they're like, where they say the quote, money can't buy you happiness. (laughs) It's true, ladies and gentlemen. It's not rocket science. It's something that here God is taking this form to try and get Moses to understand, hey, for a second, remember me. Remember what I am. And remember that I've never, ever failed, and I'll never fail. That's the same God who you can partner with. That's the same God who he was trying to get Moses to realize that's who you're working with. That's who you have pushing on your side. And so he gives him this order to assemble the elders and to tell them, and appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and seen what has been done to you in Egypt. This is now God's instructions. Verse 17, he says, and I have promised to bring you out of the misery in Egypt, Verse, let's skip ahead because it's the same promise. He says, verse yeah. 18, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us take a three day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord, our God. But verse 19 says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. So look at that. Not only does God call Moses, then Moses responds to the calling. Then God, what he does is he tells him and he reveals to him and impregnates in him the identity. He restores what was once lost in the original design of which God had for us. Remember what we've talked about in Genesis 3, the fall of mankind. When sin entered the world, fear entered along with it. In this case, fear of what? Moses, in this case, is the fear of what other people are going to say. Might be for us, for me personally, that's something that I wrestle with too. The fear of what other people are going to say about me. Might even be the fear of what your family might say about you. But at the end of the day, however that fear manifests, fear is ultimately the one thing that stops you from reaching your ultimate potential. Here, fear led Moses to ask God questions. It led him to be like, nah, this isn't for me. This is not who I am. Fear might take a different manifestation in your life. It might be stress, might lead to anxiety. Maybe you struggle with thoughts of depression and you're wondering, why? Why am I thinking this way? Ultimately, it might be because of the ultimate consequence of the initial fall of man. When we fell, when man fell, sin came into the world. That's something that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, but the reality is that God came into the picture, and as he is telling to Moses right here, that it doesn't matter, that there is no need for you to fear because I am with you. I am who I am. If I've never failed before, why will I fail now? That's in complete opposite to the spirit of fear. It's like the spirit of boldness. It's the spirit of courage. Later on in the story of Joshua, it's exactly what he tells Joshua.
1: Joshua chapter one, yes. It's what makes
0: Joshua stand out in stark contrast to yep. Moses. Spoiler alert mm. with the story. <laughs> the one thing that Moses, throughout his continued career, started to struggle. Because keep in mind, this is the start of his yes. career. Remember, all of this is happening, but he's still on the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. He still has not come down from the mountain. This is all, in other words, theoretical. It's just the beginning.
1: Pretty much, it's just a conversation the guy is having with Moses. He's putting the uh, the plan laying out what was going to happen. Yeah, he's telling him, "Look, this is what I'm going to do."
0: He's, in other words, showing him the way. That 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 right there is is ultimately what we're trying to get you to wrestle with, understand. When you allow yourself to enter into a moment where you encounter. Keep in mind when we started saying that he had been in Midian for 40 years. He had reached the point of his most biggest desolation. In other words, he was at rock bottom. But it's in the middle of rock bottom. It's in the middle of a zone where you're uncomfortable. It's in the middle of when you allow yourself to say, hey, I'm not where I once was. But guess what? I need an encounter. I need something that's going to shift me into the next season. I need something that's going to give me purpose. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can always find purpose. You can always be called back. You can always be restored. It All it takes is for you to go and look. God will do the rest. God will call. It's up to you to respond. And that's what's happening here with Moses. God is giving him all this plan. He's laying it out for him, right? And look at what he says. We're going to skip ahead to chapter 4, verse 1. It says, so, so God goes out and lays out his plan. He's like, hey, look, Moses, I thought about it. I I thought about every single little thing that you're you're tripping about. I got you, bro. I'm the one. I am who I am. He already told him. He's trying to get him to understand. But look, even then, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you?
1: He was concerned. Yeah.
0: Again, his reluctancy to fall, his reluctancy to answer the call, right? But, but there's good news for you. Even if you refuse to answer the call, he's going to keep on pursuing you. He says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Mm. A staff, he replied. Reply, yeah. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. You might tell and see like, ah, man, Uh, nah, I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for it. You might keep wrestling with your calling, being like, nah, I, sh- I shouldn't apply for that new job. Nah, I probably shouldn't take a risk and going out and trying to make new friends. No, I don't want to talk to anyone and open up my heart because I've been hurt. Nah, I don't want to trust anyone anymore. God says and asks Moses, what's in your hand, buddy? Meaning that you already have everything within you that you need in order to fight the fear that you're wrestling with. Yes. God will take what's in your life and do something supernatural to get you to realize, hey, you don't need to be afraid of it. Right there, God says that he takes the staff and turns it into a snake. And he gets Moses to physically confront fear. Think about it.
1: You're going to grab a snake by the tail? And remember, see, a snake, it represents something. The snake a lot of know, things. A lot of things. A lot of things. But so he's facing the fear. Can you imagine facing the fear? What would you do, Samuel? What would I do if I Did saw a snake? snake? I'm out, bro. Huh?
0: I'm dipping. <laughs> you, anybody would. Yeah. Imagine it says that he had a staff in his mm-hmm. hand and that it turns into a snake. You'd run. But there God tells him, grab its tail. Grab it, yeah. grab it by the tail. God's telling you today, grab your fear mm-hmm. by the tail.
1: Yes. Go ahead. Take the staff.
0: Throw it on the ground. Watch what God's going to do and grab it by the tail. Don't be afraid. Wake up. There's no need to fear the snake. Whatever that snake might be that comes into your thoughts, that creeps its way in, that might try to speak to your ear, grab it by the tail. Grab it by the tail and turn it back into a staff because that's God working. Look at what it says, verse 5. This said the Lord Is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. If that's not enough comfort to you, then I don't know what is that regardless, in spite of your fear, God will show up and show that he is greater than that, that he is more powerful. Verse six says, then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak when he took it out the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. When he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Not only is God going to take what you have in your hand and show you and move and tell you that you, you can grab fear by the tail, he'll even go as far as Even showing you that no matter what might come against your body. Even Moses, he got leprosy. One of the most common diseases in the Bible. But it's often seen as literally one of the most like worst things that you can imagine. Anybody who had leprosy was cast out to the back of society. Anybody who had leprosy was seen as literally scum. Was seen as the bottom of the bottom. And here in this encounter god allows and transforms moses into a hand of a leper such a beautiful symbolism right there again showing that god is willing to go as far as he needs to go to reach you
1: and and you know leprosy it represents uh the sin that's what it represents when you see in the uh in the different parts that's what leprosy is
0: so it even has a deeper meaning than yes. than just what it is there but even there he puts his hand in and it's restored You might be even facing the criticism of what you might be pushed all the way to the outskirts of society. You might be rejected. You might be seen and cast down because of what you believe. You might be rejected. Like I said, your friends might turn their backs on you. Your family might turn their backs on you. But still right there, God is with Moses. God is with you. Verse 8, then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. (laughs) Even there, we see Moses continuing to be like, yo, bro, like you're messing up, man. I'm telling you, I am not the one you want. I don't care how many times you might have been labeled as, hey, that guy is not as smart. I don't care what the doctor might have said. You have ADHD. I don't care what anybody who might have tried to label you to say you are one thing versus this, versus that. The reality is that God has a different identity for you. God has a different calling for you. He didn't, you you would think that Moses is over here telling him something that he doesn't know. Of course he knows. Of course God knows because he knew his name. So something like this speech impediment was not foreign to him. He understood that, yet he was still calling him despite that. For some reason, Moses thought, hey, let me use this to disqualify myself. The problem is that God had already chosen him. The problem is that God had already given him his purpose. The problem is that God had already said, no, 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 listen. You're going to be the one I'm sending. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what someone might have said. And I don't know what you're saying to yourself. Because I know what I say to myself. I know that at the end of the day, I could look at everyone else. Moses was concerned about what everyone else was going to say. And God gave him two signs to back that up. And then he even went as far as giving him the third, with the water turning to blood. But then Moses was like, okay, I've had enough. Uh, Okay, God, you're proving to me that you'll shut the mouth of everyone else up. But now guess what? I got to shut my own mouth up. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) That was good. He reflected on everyone else. Mm. He was seeing and was that was what was causing him fear. But then he, at the end, even said, no, no, no. But guess what? Everyone else is going to say things, but you know what? <laughs> I know what What you can't fix, what I say about myself. I am the. I am I with am, the problem. <laughs> I got a speech impediment. Mm. I am slow of speech and tongue. But Look at what God responds. Verse 11, he says, yes. Then the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths?
1: Look at that way. God responds to him.
0: Who said that about you? Tell me. Who said that? He's not saying, hey, you're slow. He says, do you not know who I am? <laughs> he says, who makes the deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now Go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. (laughs) Not only does Moses, Moses hits them with the, ah, check it out. Okay, you're trying to, you're trying to, you back me up. You got me around (laughs) everyone else. But bro, at the end of the day, like, I don't even, I don't even like myself. I don't, I think I'm ugly. I think I'm fat, bro. I'm like, nah, I'm not meant to be used by God. This is not me. God responds and says, hey, buddy. Look at who I am. I am the creator. I can literally have the power to whatever you whatever you say. Psh, don't even don't even think about that. He goes out and says not only about the speaking, he talks about the blind. He talks about the lame. He's like, "Hey, guess what? Not only can I make you speak, I can make the blind see. I can make the lame walk." Don't doubt me, buddy. I don't know what that if that doesn't hit you, but don't doubt the power that God can do. And look at what He says, verse thirteen. But Moses said, "Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else." (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) I'm like, bro. Oh man. So, So, so He gives him three signs to not only shut the mouth of his haters, shut the mouth of the people that might. All of this, again, remember, He still hasn't even spoken to one person. He's by himself on a mountain talking to a bush. And he's already thinking about all these potential million other scenarios. If you can't identify with Moses, then I think you're lying and you're not being honest to yourself. Because I think everyone at one point or another has overthought a situation, has been like, oh, should I do that? Should I not? Should I? Anyone can identify with this of Moses literally having every single clear sign in front of him. And yet, even then, he still says, please send someone else. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Verse 14, it says, then the Lord's anger burned. Interesting. Now, after all the mercy that God had shown in me, like, okay, I get it. One. Okay, I get it. Two. Okay, I get it. Three. Another one, now you're talking about you Now you would think, okay, he's entitled to get mad He says, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I wow. know he can speak well He is already on his way to meet you And he will be glad to see you You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth I will help both of you speak And I will teach <laughs> you what to do he will speak to the people for you and as if you were God. No, no, no. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform signs with it. Even in God's anger, look at what he does there. He sends Aaron's to come and help his brother. He, that, that's a sign that regardless of how much you might think and how much you might say, oh man, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. Even in his anger, God will send what Steal. he needs to send. He'll send the backup. He does not withhold his anger or his punishment from his children. He, that, that's obviously, we know that God is a God of justice. We're not saying that. But he's willing to, even in that justice, be like, all right, I got you. I still got your back. And even then, he says, take this staff in your hand so you can perform signs with it. So not only does he send him physical backup in the form of his brother, but he literally deals with every single one of the potential excuses that Moses threw at him. The first one was like, these people aren't going to believe me. They're not going to care what I say. God gives him three signs, not just one. eh? He gives him three to be like, no, no, no. I got your back. Then Moses says, but at the end of the day, I'm also wrestling with myself. I'm, I'm insecure. I don't know if I'm really the one made for it. God then goes and restores him and tells him, no, 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 no. Guess what? Look at who I am. I am greater than all those things. I will help you. And even then, he still sends someone else. Knowing, and that that right there, you know, I've heard this preached so many times that, why you know, why did Aaron, God need to send Aaron? You know, a lot of preachers will use this preacher choke and be like, it's because you can't do everything by yourself and you need to have a team around you. A lot of people say that. A lot of people say it's because in the Bible, it says where there are two or three gathered, there's the spirit of the Lord. There's a lot of people that say that. I was reading this and I was like, I don't think he was, yeah, those could be valid reasons not to discredit any preachers, but he says he could have sent anyone. Yeah, God could have sent anybody, even someone more qualified than Aaron, but he sends a very specific individual, someone from the house of Levite, who we know as we've spoken about that in the house of Levi from the lineage of Levi is eventually the lineage that leads all the way to our creator eventually leads to the birth of Jesus. So what, it, what was he doing there? God was sneaking in the ultimate destiny that he had, but not only that he wasn't just putting anybody next to Moses. He was putting someone who knew him. He was putting his brother. He was putting someone that at the end of the day in his death, deepest most profound moments was not going to leave them. and that's so comforting to any of us today because we have the extension of an entire family of brothers and sisters who are there reaching out to us we have through christ an entire family that we have been redeemed we have been transformed where we have brothers and sisters who believe the same things that we do this podcast is a community of brothers and sisters that we are here helping each other grow in our tran- in our journey. Grow in what our plan is. God didn't just bring some random person to connect to Moses. He put someone that he knew he was going to need down the road. He put someone that no matter what was going to love him for who he was, a brother. He didn't put a friend. And if that's that that's a reminder to us to let us know that we're not designed to walk through life alone. We're not meant to go through this journey, you know, filling our lives with just more and more accomplishments to ultimately just end up empty with nothing. But if there's one thing that we can summarize from this, this passage, this, this story is that God was so zealous. He was passionate for Moses for one reason, and that's because he wanted to do something. He wanted to impact his generation. He wanted to see the desire that was on his heart fulfilled. I don't know what's the desire of your heart. I don't know what sort of things that you were born with that you feel you were called to. I know that there's a lot of people out there who struggle with that. And luckily, if you're young, you still have time to figure it out. Maybe if you're older, you're worried that you will never figure it out. But the, re- the there's hope in all of this. And the reality is that if you choose to look and to lean in to the calling, you can find it. And regardless of whatever sort of, excuse, regardless of whatever sort of thing you might try and come up with, God is there for it all. God is there in the middle of the desolation. God is there in the middle of the darkest pit. God is there, was there when Moses was going through 40 years of exile. So why would he not be there for you? Throughout this day and throughout these modern times, we would think, hey, I don't know if I can still be called. I don't know if there's still that same level of encounter that Moses had on the bush. But the reality is, as we've said this many times, there is. There is still hope in this day that we can find. And when we choose to connect, when we choose to take a moment to step in humility, to truly reflect on our lives and have an encounter with the creator of all things, That's when we can start to unlock our full potential. That's when we can start to truly tap into our purpose. That's when we can truly start to align ourselves with the plan that is the greater plan that has been designed for us from the start. That's where we can start to walk in our purpose, start to walk in our passion. And as they say, if you work in what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's possible. That's achievable. That's not something that's a fairy tale. That's not something that is stuck in a rusty book that perhaps was read or that was written thousands of years ago. That's something that's true. I've experienced it in my own life. I've experienced what it's like to work jobs where you're not happy, where you're like, dang, this really, really sucks. This is probably not what I want to be doing for the rest of your life. And maybe you find yourself in that spot, too. But take hope in knowing that there is more. Take hope in knowing that regardless of whatever they may be, you can come in and encounter the God who made the skies, the guy, the God who made the seas, the God who made the waters, the God who, as he responded to Moses, said, who is the one who gives humans the abilities to talk? Who is the one who makes them deaf? You can partner with that same God today and he can come in and make a change in your life that you would have never, ever anticipated, that you could have never, ever thought of. You can go from going up the mountain and walking up as a shepherd. But it says that when Moses came down that mountain, that his face was filled with the power of God. It says that when people would look at him, they would become blinded because of the glory. You can walk up. The mountain, you can walk up Horeb, which is meant to be your desolation and come down as an entirely completely person, a completely different individual, an individual whose face is glowing, an individual who people look at him and they're, him or her and they're like, yo, this person is different. Yo, this person has something that I want. This person has something that I desire. You can walk up the mountain one way and come back transformed that that that's the hope that we leave you that's the message that we hope that you guys can take with you that's the the ultimate thing that even we tell ourselves is something that i wrestle with on the day-to-day basis this this constant battle of the mind this constant battle of having the right mindset of the constant battle of hey there's some days where you feel it and there's some days where you don't but here god was getting moses to understand that i am the god of yesterday i am the god of today and i'll be the god of tomorrow So don't worry about it. Beautiful. You'll be fine. Yes. You'll be good. You'll be chilling. And y'all all will be chilling too. Because at the end of the day, I know, and like I've said many times today, but I know that every single person who's listening to this, who hears my voice, is called, has a plan. There's a purpose over your life. I don't care what anyone else might have said or maybe anyone else that has allowed hurt to come into your life. I'm praying for you. I'm lifting you up because I know that there are things that this world needs. I know that our world needs peace. I know that our world needs love. I know that our world needs a lot more positivity than negativity. And if any of you guys can take that and just apply it to your day-to-day life and even just become 1% better, then we're doing our job. Then we're growing, and that's ultimately what matters. So we just encourage you guys to stay blessed this week. We encourage you guys to take some time. Reflect on the areas of your life where you're maybe asking yourself, where am I? Why am I here? What is my ultimate purpose on this earth? And it sounds deep. It it, it sounds very, very intense. It sounds very, very scary. But remember, even Moses was scared. So it's not like fear is an uncommon experience. No. It's something that every human experiences. But the difference is that you can overcome that fear. You can grab the snake by its tail and turn it into a staff because you got that in you. You're powerful. Don't forget that. You're strong. You got a lot more to give than sometimes maybe you think about yourself. So we love you guys. We encourage you guys to stay blessed. We encourage you guys to share this podcast with someone that you feel if it benefited you, might benefit them. And as always, we encourage you guys... To so stay wavy, y'all.
1: Ténganse en la ola.
0: Keep it wavy. Keep it pushing. And yeah. We'll see you guys next week.
1: I bless you Peace.